We're thankful for this day. We're thankful for this opportunity to come to you. God, out of all the people in the world that are caught up in all kinds of conflict, all kinds of situation, that are facing loss and pain, God, without you, we know that we have a God that's able, that never leaves us or forsakes us. And God, we come here today to study your word, to let your word dig deep down into our hearts because we want to live for you. I don't know when you're coming back, but I know you're coming back, Lord, and I just want to be ready, Lord. I want to make sure that when that trumpet sounds, I'm going to get to see you. And God, I pray for everybody in this church building this morning, or this afternoon, I pray that you help us, God, to study your word and to draw close to you. And everybody say amen. We're talking about managing conflict. If you weren't here Tuesday night, you missed that part of it, but I wanted to, you can be seated, I wanted to continue on, I wanted to... Uh, go ahead and start on this because we really tapped into something uh, Tuesday night. And we talked about uh, Moses, about how he had to go forward. But uh, in the beginning, uh, conflict was created by him going forward. Amen. Uh, we talked about how Moses' training and preparedness had uh, helped him learn how to accept criticism. Some people can't accept criticism. Amen. Somebody criticized me. And they said, does that offend you? I said, no, I just look for a little kernel, a grain of truth so that I can kind of take that and plant it in my heart to try to change that part of it if that's a truth, amen? I don't get upset when people criticize me. Uh, my, my affirmation, my worth isn't built on what they say, amen? It's built on my relationship with God. So uh, Moses had to, he considered impossible odds. Uh, he, it kept his intellect about him. He wasn't uh, so distressed like he was at the beginning. But after he went through that desert experience and the burning bush experience, God changed things in his life. Amen. Not panic when uh, the going got tough, but he was able to trust in the Lord. Remember, he who waits on God loses no time. Amen. When you wait on God, you don't lose any time. And uh, we talked about some challenges, uh, some of the people challenged his leadership and even revolted. Grumbling was common among the people. Uh, the negative pessimist uh, attitudes of these ex-slaves kept them in the wilderness an extra 40 years. See, that's the problem when you're negative, when you don't trust God, when you don't put your faith in God. It keeps you in a wilderness experience. It keeps you uh, out, out in the woods, amen. You're not able to, to ever make it into the place that God's trying to get you to go. Uh, it keeps you in that wilderness. They're independent. Uh, they're uh, uncooperative, these people that are pessimistic and negative. Their undisciplined lives multiplied the conflicts Moses faced, amen. Moses had to deal with all their negativism. For Moses, moving forward meant taking all conflicts seriously. You've got to take conflicts seriously. You can't just push them away and forget about it. They're not going to go away. You're going to keep bumping into that conflict, amen. Conflict has to be dealt with, amen. It has to be dealt with. Did you know that most conflicts arise over who we are in relationship to other people? That's where most of our uh, relationship comes from. Living in relationship to any other human being requires conflict management skills. If you don't believe me, get married. Before you get married, everything's cool, man. After you get married, you find out they squeeze the toothpaste in the middle. Now they got these pump ones, amen. They got all kinds of neat stuff to 
manage our conflict among each other in the bathroom. Amen. But see, that's what conflict is. Uh, Acts 15, 39 says, And the contention was short between them, that they departed asunder one from another. And so uh, Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Amen. We must have a common respect for each other. You need to write that down. We must have a common respect for each other. Harmony, not disharmony. If you're going to deal with conflict, if you're going to manage conflict with somebody else, you've got to have that respect for each other. 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 11 says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Paul was writing this. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Now, we make Demas a backslider there. We, we call him a backslider. And we, we talk like he, he just walked out on God. And that's not what happened here. I know I'm going to bust some of your theological bubbles here. But he was not a backslider. That's not what that's talking about there. He loved this present world. In other words, he saw Paul was in prison. He wasn't ready to die. He didn't want to give up yet. He, he was scared to death. There was a lot of people like that in the Bible that did not want to be persecuted. Amen. It doesn't mean that he didn't love God or that he went into the world and, and did worldly things. That's not what it's talking about. He didn't want to leave this world is what it means there. And he went to Thessalonica. Have you ever wondered why he went back to Thessalonica? During that time, Thessalonica was the biggest church going. It was the most happening church, reading the book of Acts. And so he went there. Maybe he went there to sit because remember John Mark, when everybody was mad at him and Paul said, I'm not going to take him, what happened? He didn't let him go with him. And then years later, he said, hey, send Mark. He's going to be good for me. Am I right? So let's don't put uh, Nick, uh, let's don't put uh, 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 Demas in hell yet. Let's don't dis discard him because if you read the rest of that scripture, it says, Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world and is departed into Thessalonica, uh, Crescens of Galatia, Titus of Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me, so they departed also. But he, you really don't say that they backslid. They departed also. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of people that aren't willing to die for this, amen. They, they thought they were until all of a sudden it comes down to where the rubber meets the road. And, and I don't know where Demas uh, 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 was at, but I know he went to Thessalonica, and that's where the church was. That's where they were most noble. That's where they studied the Word of God. Amen. And so we, we better be careful not to put him, because if we get to heaven, we might have to go on an apology tour. Amen. Of all the people we think didn't make it, might have made it in the Bible. Boy, some of y'all just got, y'all just, just blanked out on me right there. That's okay. Study it. Read it. Don't just read a little old commentary. Start studying that word and see what it says. Amen. Because Acts 17, 11 says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So he went, and I believe with all my heart that, that he just wasn't willing to die yet. He, he, didn't, he, he didn't balk on God per se, but he just wasn't willing to die at that time. And so, yeah, I, I imagine he was scared, just like a lot of us are at times. Notice, we must work our solution. We must uh, work for solutions and not destruction. We got to establish goodwill, not broken relationships. Amen. That's the problem when we don't uh, manage our conflict. We have broken relationships. The Christian faith should be sensitive to the needs of people. 
We need to learn how to be sensitive to our brothers' and sisters' needs. Amen. We shouldn't always be so quick to judge. We ought to learn how to stop and take a good look at what they're going through and say, God, give me wisdom. Give me the ability to minister to them. Amen. Romans 15.1 says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. You know what we need to do? We need to quit pleasing ourselves, amen? We're so prone to expect to become good Christians by some sudden experience that lifts us all at once to a higher ground without a gradual climb. I'm going to tell you something. Living for God is a gradual climb. You're not going to just come to church one day and God's going to lift you to this high, big old experience. It's a gradual climb. That's why Paul said, I die daily. He climbed up to Calvary's cross every day. It was a gradual climb. It was a, a moving forward. Amen. And that's what God wants us to do. We forget that we are to grow in grace and that normal growth is not a matter of starts and stops. It is a gradual climb with God. We're always climbing to get closer to Him. Maturity begins uh, to grow when we make sense, uh, uh, when we can sense our concern for others. It begins to grow when we can sense our concern for others outweighing our concern for ourselves. See, when we're so worried about ourselves, we can't be used of God to reach out to other people. Amen? God's calling us to be sensitive to each other. We are also to love as we have been loved. Man, God loved us. We need to love our brothers as ourselves. Amen? That's what First uh, John 3.16 says. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down our lives. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's what the Bible says. And so it's important that we understand that, that we get off of this uh, me church attitude, that this is my church, that, that, that here's what I want in my church. I want them to sing certain songs. I, I want the message to go certain length of time. That's a me church, amen. God wants us to be in his church. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Maturity begins to grow when we can sense our concern for others, outweighing our concern for ourselves. Remember that. Love is the key that gives perspective to life. If you don't have the love of God, you're not going to have perspective of life. That's why this world's so wicked. That's why people hate and people can scream and holler and, and kill people and, and talk so filthy. I've never heard such filthy language in my, my life. Man, when I was a kid, if we cussed, and I mean not, I'm talking about a little old cuss word, as the world would say. Man, my mom and dad, they'd wash our mouth out with soap, buddy. You, you were in trouble, amen? Oh, you know, well, that's old Billy now. Billy's just expressing himself. Yeah, he's expressing he's an idiot. He's stuck on stupid if that's the vocabulary that he has to use, amen? And so it's important that we know that, that love is the key that... Uh, gives perspective to life. Love must supersede money. It has to supersede status. It has to supersede power. If you're in this thing for a position, if you're in this for power, friend, you don't have the love of God, amen? Because the love of God says, I'm not worried about myself. I'm worried about others, amen? Because God wants us to minister to their needs. Managing conflict means we must make choices. We must make choices. We must be Christian. Someone has to be an adult. Amen. In my relationship with Sister Aber, uh, you know, I'm 62 years old, but sometimes I don't act it. 
And when I blow a gasket or I, I oh, man, uh, Sister Aber's always been the adult. Amen. Now, I come from a family that hollers and we fight and we hit each other and stuff. And Sister Aber, she don't play that game, man. When I get stuck on stupid, she'll just let me calm on down. And then right before bedtime or something, she'll say, you know, Danny, you were wrong. And then I got to crawl out and go pray, get on my knees. She was an adult. See, when I blow up, she doesn't blow up. When I tell her, I don't like that, I, I want something else to eat. She said, well, then go down to McDonald's and get it, big boy. Well, I tell you what, I think I'll just do that. She said, well, don't let the door hit you on the way out. See, that's not how our relationship is. Somebody has to be the adult. And I'm here to tell you that Praise Tabernacle needs to be the adult of this city, Las Vegas. And when they come into this church, they need to see people that are mature in God. That are able to say, you know what, it's not about me, it's about you. Your visitors, shake their hand, talk to them, visit them. Let them know how much you love them and care about them, amen. I'm here to tell you that somebody has to become an adult. And you can't become an adult if you're not managing your conflict. If you're always getting upset and always mad at something, you're not going to be an adult, amen. For the person who has learned to let go and then let be, nothing can ever get in their way again, friend, when you learn how to let go. Life is not so much an achievement as it is a journey, amen. But you can look up a stair, you can look up a step of stairs, and you're not going to do anything until you go up them, amen. And that's what God's journey. You can say, Well, I'm on this journey with G. Well, you better start climbing that mountain. You better start stepping up them stairs, amen. Because until you start walking with him, until you start advancing, you're not going to have anything in God. You're going to become stagnant, you're become bitter, and you're going to get upset. A, a puddle of water. Uh, that doesn't have an inflow and an outflow, guess what? It gets stagnant. It's a breeding ground for, for mosquitoes and stuff. And so it is with a Christian. When you become stagnant, you don't have water flow, the Spirit of God flowing in, the Spirit of God flowing out. You become stagnant, amen? And then all of a sudden you become diseased and all of a sudden you start having conflict with everybody because it's everybody else's fault and not yours, amen? Growth, uh, here, here's the thing right here. Life is not so much as an achievement as it is a journey. So there are always, uh, we are always in transition from what was to what's going to be. I'm in transition right now from what was to what's going to be. Amen? And so I've got to understand that. I've got to understand that. So uh, in other words, life is a series of choices, of growing, of changing. Now, when I got in church, I weighed about 176 pounds. And if I had one of those jackets on, I'd put that jacket on and I couldn't button it. I couldn't even get it to right there. Amen? Because I've grown. Now, growth equals change. Amen? Now, change doesn't equal growth. Growth equals change. And God wants us to grow. And if we grow, there's going to be change. And where there's change, there's conflict. Amen? Oh, you guys ought to say amen. Because you hate going up a size on your blue jeans. I, I, can, st I can still wear them. Walk around like a penguin. Amen? 
I'm not getting a size 18 neck. I'm just going to let it strangle me. Come to church and they think, I can't breathe because I'm red in the face. See, we, we change equals growth. When, when you begin to change, or growth equals change, when you begin to grow, you're going to change. Amen? You're going to change. And God wants us to change. He doesn't want us to love what we used to love. He doesn't want us to act like we used to act. He doesn't want us to be like we used to be. What was is what's going to be coming now, so I've got to grow. And when I grow, I change with that growth. Amen? The biggest choice that we have to make is to accept the love of, that God offers in each new conflict. Whenever there's conflict, just enjoy it. Bible says count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Come on, really? How many of y'all believe that, honestly? How many of y'all believe that we should count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations? It's the Bible. But we don't believe it. You know why? Because we don't want to change. See, that conflict, count it all joy, means that I've got to grow. And I, I want to be a spiritual, immature uh, Christian. I want, I want the pastor to come up and feed me milk and burp me and make me feel better, scratch my itching ears. And Man, some people don't like a preacher that, that preaches change because they don't like it when people change the formula because they're babies. I remember Ryan, when he was little, he had to have a pacifier called the Nook. Is that right, the Nook? And we were on our way to Missouri, and it was so hot, and Sister Abra had the window down. And she had, back then, you didn't have car seats, so y'all don't freak out when I tell you. He, he was just a little kid right there on the front, patting him on the front seat of the car. And we're going down to Missouri, and all of a sudden, he spits out that nook. Well, we didn't know it. We was way down the road. All of a sudden, he got to crying and bawling and screaming and hollering. And we had to pull over, and we went and got something, that, uh, a pacifier, and put it. He spit that out. We got one that looked like a nook. He spit that out. We had to go to Rolla, Missouri and find a nook, amen. And then he took it and there wasn't a problem because he didn't want to change, amen. And sometimes you don't like when preacher gets up and, and preaches. When pastor gets up and preaches, you don't like it because he's changing the formula on you. He's telling you you got to grow because growth equals change and you need to start eating some meat and quit worrying about sucking on that bottle, amen. And so God's telling us that that's what it's all about. We are responsible for our choices. God calls us forward. He calls us forward by choice. He called Moses forward by choice. However, impossible demands are not our responsibility. you got to remember that. God didn't call you to, to, to do things that are, are, are uh, just impossible to do. Amen. Remember, there is... Uh, it's not our business to make the message acceptable. It's our business to make it available. I talked about that uh, Tuesday night. We are not to see uh, that they like it. We're to make sure that they get it. That's something that we need to understand. So Peter recognized his limitations. He didn't borrow money for the beggar, nor did he feel that he owed the beggar a living. And we need to recognize our limits as a church. We need to recognize our limits as a Christian. To accept responsibility beyond our abilities is to create overwhelming conflict. That's why people get in conflict because they're expecting something that is not realistic. Amen. you got to learn how to trust God. We have always needed old people to keep things from going too fast. 
Everybody who's old say amen. See, we've always needed old people to keep things from going too fast. But you remember, the young people are needed to keep things from going too slow. Well, that's good teaching right there. I'm old. I stand over there. Song service is going on. Man, I, I jump. I, they sing that song about, what is it, turn around, turn? What's that song? Turn my morning into dance. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I don't need to turn to turn it into dance because I turn one time, I'm dizzy. I'm just going to dance. Now, my dancing ain't like that dancing to me now. I'm built for comfort, not speed. And so we got to understand that, that, that when conflicts comes, you just need to go ahead and let God have his way. So we always need old people to keep things from going too slow. We need young people to keep things from going too fast. We need old people to keep things from going too fast and young people to keep them from going too slow. Youth has fire, amen? But the age is the light, is the light that we need and we have to have for these young people to know how to walk in the light, amen? But we're in this church together. And by being in together, there's nothing that we can't do. God is going to shake this city, amen? I'm here to tell you that if we ever get to the place where we manage our conflict, we can come to church and be a one mind and one accord, and we can worship God, and we're going to grow. And then because we grow, we're going to change because growth equals change. Everybody say amen. God expects us to give only according to our ability. We are to give our best. That's what God requires. Hey, give your best. You don't have to give according to somebody else. Give your best. To some, Christianity is an argument. To many, it's a performance, amen. And to few, it is an experience. We need to get people out of this idea that, that you got to argue. I don't argue the Bible with anybody, amen. If somebody wants to argue with me, you know what I tell them? I say, oh, that subject's too big. If you want to sit down and have a Bible study, you can do that, but I'm not going to argue with you right now because you're not going to change them. Amen? And so you got to understand that. So Matthew 25, 15 says, And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to every man according to his several abilities, and straightway took his journey. So God gives us each talents. Now, it's not the amount of talents that you get that God gives you. It's what you do with those talents, amen. God wants you to use those talents to your fullest ability. Everybody say amen. Our part is to be faithful with what we have. So if God give you a talent to sing, be faithful and sing, amen. God give you a talent to witness, be faithful and witness. We all need to witness, but let's, let's face it, some of us got the gift to gab. Amen? Just begin to talk to people and everything. Some people aren't that comfortable with that, but it doesn't mean that you can't do it. You just got to get to the place where you use that tool, and the more you use that tool, the easier it is to use. Amen? And so our part is to be faithful with what we have. Life is full of impossible demands. Sometimes these demands come from within. Sometimes they come from without. So sometimes we expect impossible things of others. See, that's where our conflict comes in at. Usually it's not about us because we're perfect. Our conflict comes from somebody else, amen, because we're expecting too much out of them. We, we can get judgmental.
Amen. I have talked to people and they, well, what religion are you? I said, well, I'm not a religion. I've got an experience, but I belong to the United Pentecostal Church. And, and you could just see the look on their face glaze over because they talked to somebody that put them in hell. They talked to somebody that, that tore down everything. Any good vacuum cleaner. Man, I remember, remember those Kirby vacuum cleaners? They were so heavy they'd hurt your back. They'd throw you back. I don't know how women did it. Amen. And then along comes Rainbow. Rainbow vacuum cleaners. Man, they, they outperform. They, they'd say, here, give me your Kirby. And they'll put salt in your carpet. Oh, no. They'll take that Kirby. Oh, they'll take the Kirby. And then after they do that about 20 times, they'll get that rainbow. And you hear. And then they'll show you that little pan that's in there. And it's got salt water and dirt. And, and man, you say, man, I, I got to have that, man. That, that's awesome. How much is it? $1,200. Oh, did you get all that uh, salt out? <laughs> Make sure you get it all out because I ain't buying that thing. <laughs> My sister-in-law was one of the number one salesmen in Texas of rainbows. Uh, sister Abra's sister. And she said, uh, I'm coming to Houston. Do you have a friend that wants? I, and I, I talked to Gary Avery. I said, Gary, she wants to show it. He had a big old fish tank, 100-gallon fish tank and stuff. And, and he said, yeah, I'll see it. So, man, Robin got over there, and so she was going to show you how powerful the rainbow was. And so she hands you a glass, and then she turns it on. She says, watch how fast this thing. I sucked that water up. And it says, and it goes, and I'd be like, that, the water's out of this big old glass. And so she had forgot to put it on the, <clears throat> she said, hold that glass, watch how fast that water's gone. And she said, and it went, and water was dripping off of me. He said, that was fast. <laughs> you see, conflict. Man, you got to resolve conflict, amen. You can't let it bother you. You can't let it uh, 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 cost you uh, your joy and your happiness, amen. Life is full of impossible demands, Amen. Just like that vacuum cleaner, man, that was an impossible demand to brag about it that much. And then all of a sudden, it all backfires on her, amen? Sometimes we expect impossible things of others. And so, uh, that's what I'm saying. Quit expecting things out of your, your church family members that, that you don't even expect out of yourself, amen? Don't judge them according to your walk with God. Y'all remember what I tell you, man... When I first came to church, I was in a 20-watt bulb room into his marvelous light. When you're in darkness, you come into a 20-watt bulb room, you're going, wow, I've got to repent. And so I said, God, forgive me for my drugs, forgive me for cussing, forgive me all this stuff. And I started just asking God to forgive me, and he forgave me, and it moved me to a 40-watt bulb room. And then all of a sudden, the next service, I'm saying, oh, you know what, I, I mean, I, got, I had a big afro, so I cut my hair, and man, I can't. 
I can't dress like that anymore. I went and got a haircut and got clothes changed. And then when I went from a 40-watt, I went to a 60-watt bulb room. And I said, oh, I missed something. I started repenting about something else. And I missed something that, that I'd missed when I was in the 20 and the 40, now I'm in the 60. And then moved me to the 75-watt bulb room. But here I am in a 75-watt bulb room. And somebody comes into church and they're in the 20-watt bulb room. I can't look at them and say, man, why ain't they changed like me? Why ain't they where I'm at? Uh-oh, it got quiet. I thought I'd get a better response out of that. See, our problem is when we get up into that 40 and we get up that 60 and 75, 100-watt bulb room, we start judging the ones that come into the 20 because they're not like us. They don't, well, how come they ain't done this? How come they ain't changed their clothes? How come they, and, and what's happening is, is we haven't given them time to get that illumination through repentance and letting God work on them, amen, because we're so selfish. That we want them to change, but we're not willing to change. Amen. And so we develop this conflict with new people. We develop conflict with others in the church because we don't think they're living up to our standard. I got news for you. My standard is nothing. Amen. My righteousness, the Bible said, is as filthy rags. Amen. I'm not going to judge you according to where I'm at, what light bulb I'm at. I know some of y'all think my light bulb went out a few times. But I'm in, I'm in a light bulb, I'm in a room where God has illuminated things to me. And that's why Pastor Blizzard and I and Brother Eastridge and these other preachers, when we preach to you, we're trying to give you illumination. We're trying to get you to move up to another room. We're trying to get you to have a little more light, a little more illumination so that you can see things in your life that need to be changed and you have the ability to change them. Amen? See, that's what God's trying to show us. Man, sometimes we expect the impossible of others. I remember my son, Ryan, uh, when he was at Bible college, people would ask him, are you going to be a preacher like your dad? Are you going to be a preacher like your dad? And my son wasn't called to preach. And, and they would just rail on him and ask him, man, are you going to preach like your dad? I always thought, man, I hope he preaches better than me because I'm not a very good preacher. But he wasn't called to preach, but they would put that on him. They, they would keep causing this conflict in his life. So I spoke to my son about his walk with God. And here's what I always told my children, that preachers would always ask him if he was going to be a preacher like me. I taught my children that if they stand on God's word, they will not stand with the world. Amen. That's all I was worried about. I didn't want my children to stand with the world. I wanted them to stand in the Word of God. And if you stand as a church on the Word of God, you're not going to stand with this world. Amen. You're going to be able to change because growth is going to be able to change you. When you go from a 20-watt bulb to a 40, that's growth. And growth equals change. And when you go to the 45 Change, and when you go to the 60, change, and the 75, change. See, that's what God's trying to bring Praise Tabernacle to the place. We're not all going to be on the same uh, level of illumination, but God is working on us, and we need to be as a body functioning together. Amen. Amen. Rejection is not only the form of, a form of conflict, it's a form of death. They first respond to rejection the first response to uh, 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 of rejection is anxiety. See, there's a lot of people with anxiety in this world, amen? They are just tore up about all kinds of stuff. There's people that are just so upset with 
what's going on and, and all they really need is Jesus, amen? Rejection threatens your self-worth. And when you get rejected, just listen, just remember that Jesus said, they're going to hate you for my name's sake. They rejected Jesus, amen? Man, don't get upset when you receive rejection. But rejection threatens your self-worth. It threatens your value. It threatens your very existence, amen? Because if you don't, uh, if you don't manage that conflict you're going to get bitter, you're going to get upset, you're going to get mad, and you're going to walk out on God, amen? The second response is to, re- uh, is to reject the person who rejects you. In other words, if somebody rejects you, you don't get an attitude towards them. Love them. The best medicine for you is the love of God, amen? Mark was rejected by Paul, but then what did he say? Sin, Mark. He's profitable to me. Mark didn't go, "Uh uh-uh. I remember back when. I remember when he said I wasn't good enough. Y'all understand what I'm saying now? You've got to learn how to manage conflict. And just because somebody rejects you, don't you react to that. You need to respond to it with love. Acceptance seems to be essential for living. Suicides are usually caused by rejection. When somebody commits suicide, it's usually because of rejection. Amen? And so that's what we were talking about in uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 39. It says, "And uh, And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyrus. Amen? So Paul wrote years later in 2 Timothy 4, 10, and 11 that Demoth hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, uh, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable for me for the ministry. So we see that Mark grew, amen, and when he grew, change took place. He became mature, mm. Some of you young preachers, you want to do everything now. Some of you think, oh, I should be doing this and I should be doing that. I'm going to tell you what you need to be doing. You need to be able to learn how to manage conflict. And when you learn how to manage conflict, guess what? You're going to grow. And when you grow, then you're going to become profitable. Amen. Oh, listen to me. I'm trying to tell somebody that you need to learn how to manage your conflict. Amen. God's calling us to that. Third response of rejection is to turn the experience inward. We may, now notice, we may withdraw like a turtle or build a wall, but that's not going to keep you from not uh, being able to have that conflict. Just because a turtle can stick its head up in his shell doesn't mean that he's not going to have any more conflict. David said, oh, if I had the wings of a dove, I'll fly away and be at rest. That's what he said. He said, the calamity, everything's caving in. Everybody's trying to kill me. Everything's going wrong. He might have been looking out a window, and it was a crystal blue sky and a a golden sun, and and this dove come flying by, and he saw the sun glisten off those white wings, and David said, oh, if I had the wings of a dove, I'd fly away and be at rest. Boy, he just, oh, if I could just get out of this, if I could just run from this. And what he was wanting to do is get out of conflict, but he didn't want to manage it, amen. And so he said, oh, if I had the wings of a dove. 
Well, I got news for David. That dove isn't a strong bird. It's going to fly, and it's going to land again. And there's going to be another predator. There's going to be another conflict. There's going to be another problem. And as soon as that old dove gets settled in, here comes another, and it has to fly away again. And it might look good when it takes off and flies, but then all of a sudden it has to land again. And when it lands again, there's another conflict. There's another problem, amen. And that's when David, after that, learned how to say, under thy wings will I put my trust. Under the covenant of the wings will I make my rest. All of a sudden he learned that it was under God's wings, amen, that I'm going to put my, quit asking for the wings of a dove. When conflict comes, learn how to face that conflict, learn how to manage that conflict, and learn how to let God take you forward, amen. You need to learn how to deal with it. When you deal with it, then there's no more conflict, amen. Oh, I hope you're listening to me. I'm not even going to finish this lesson again. we got to just continue on some other day. But Hebrews 10, 38 and 39 says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not. I love the way. Now, a lot of people don't know who wrote Hebrews. I believe Paul wrote it. But some people do, some people don't. So don't, don't uh, I'm just going to say I believe Paul did. But notice what he said. He said that, that, that he said that uh, you got to live by faith, but, but if men draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And then notice what he goes on to say in 39. But we are not of them that draw back unto petition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And what Paul was saying is we're not going to draw back. We're not going to go backwards. We're not going to look at our past, but we're going to learn how to manage our conflict. We're going to learn how to go forward to the saving of our soul. Amen. I'm not worried about what happened yesterday. I'm worried about what's happening right now because I control this moment in time. But if I do let God deal with me and I manage my conflict, I've got a bright future. Amen. And that's what God's looking for. That's what God's looking for. People are more convinced by critical remarks than they are by complimentary ones. One wife said, my husband is so temperamental. 90% temper, 10% mental. A wife went to a marriage counselor one day and said, I want a divorce right now. And the pastor said, "Uh, but you said you promised before God to take her for better or for worse. And the man said, yeah, but he's a lot worse than Uh, She's a lot worse than what I thought she was, amen. You see, a survey at Clovis, New Mexico showed that 70% of the dropouts in a school have been isolated by students and sometimes by faculty members. That's why most people quit school because they're isolated. Nobody shows them any attention. Nobody deals with them. Nobody tries to help them, amen. The fourth response is to run, and here's where I got to close. The fourth response is to run, to escape through sickness, alcohol, drugs, or through some obsession. See, when my dad died, he was 46 years old, and I didn't get to mourn his death. And because I didn't get to mourn his death, I didn't know how to manage my conflict because I was in conflict with my mother. I was in conflict with my brothers and sisters because they didn't call me in time to get there. 
And so when I got to the hospital, they said, be strong. Uh, keep a stiff upper lip. You got to be strong. And everybody told me to be strong for everybody because I was in a uniform. Amen. Like I wasn't supposed to mourn and I wasn't supposed to grieve. And so I was strong. And for seven months, I was not able to handle conflict. I started using drugs. Like I said, I started drinking. I, I just didn't care about anybody. I hated everybody. And, and, and I had to come to that place where I was able to go backwards. You see, they pushed me off trail, you know, when you, when you, when you got a conflict in your life, there's going to be people that are going to use all these cliches, you know, and they're going to push you off trail, and then you're walking down the trail, you don't know where you're going, amen, and that's where I was for seven months, I was on a trail, didn't know where I was going, so what did God do? God began to deal with me, and I began to go backwards, and when I went backwards to where my dad died, I was able to say hello to him, in other words, I was able to say, dad, there's some things I needed to tell you, there's some things I need to get off my chair. There's some things that I, I, I got to let you know. And I began to ask my father to forgive me of the things that I didn't get to when he was alive. And I was able to clean out my heart. I was able to manage my conflict. I was able to lay it on the altar. And God illuminated me. Amen. And that's when I went to a Pentecostal church. That's when God filled me with the Holy Ghost and got baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm here to tell you right now, you've got to go backwards if you're struggling. If you can't manage conflict. If you're in conflict with something, you need to stop, take a deep breath, and go backwards to that conflict and say, hello, and begin to deal with it. And when you deal with it, then you're able to say goodbye. And that's when I was able to tell my dad goodbye. I had to go backwards to say hello. It's me. It's your son. I messed up. My life's a wreck. You taught me better. I'm so sorry, Daddy. And when I was able to manage that conflict and say hello, when I got up, I was able to say goodbye. And that bitterness, that hatred, that meanness dissipated and left. You know why? Because I, I went to a Pentecostal church and I walked out of darkness into that 20-watt bulb room, that marvelous light. Now, if you're in the 60-watt bulb room, and you don't manage conflict and you end up in the 20-watt bulb room, what do you always say? How come it's so what? Dark in here. What do you mean dark? It's a 20-watt. But when you've been illuminated in a 60-watt bulb room, for you to go backwards, you're in darkness. It's not dark to the ones in the 20. They just come out of darkness to his marvelous light. And the problem in the church is when we don't handle conflict and we have conflict with each other, we're moving out of the, the room that we're in and we're going backwards and we're in darkness. And that's why uh, we can't see our faults, but we can see other people's faults. God's looking for praise tabernacle to rise up and learn how to manage our, yes, there's a whole lot more that we got to get to. But I want you to know that I desire with all my heart for you to grow because growth equals change. And if you will learn how to manage conflict, when you step into this church, you'll step in this church and be able to lift your hands. And you know what? There's no animosity. There's no bitterness. There's no envy. There's no strife among you. You're here for one reason. We're going to worship Jesus and lift up that wonderful name. Amen. When we come back next service, let's do that. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. Somebody say praise the Lord. Somebody say hallelujah. 
We're going to take a short break and come back. God bless y'all.